You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons podcast, brought to you ad-free with the support of our patrons. Visit mashthosebuttons.com or stay tuned after the show for more details. Welcome to the Torn and the Goblin, a Mash Those Buttons podcast about Warcraft story and lore. My name is Nick Selenkevich, and I'm Gragthar, Torn Hunter on Skywall US. And normally this is where Katie, Clanker, Goblin Resto Shaman on Earth and Ring US would introduce herself, uh, but she's not here today. It is just me, and today is April 14th, 2021, and this is episode number 123. And normally I would be like, oh, like, you know, normally Katie's missed episodes before and I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to find some topic and I'm going to go off and, and ramble and I'm not doing that this week. I actually, I knew what this episode was going to be. I think if you've been paying attention for the last few weeks, you know, this is going to be the bastion episode where we're finally going to get into that. I finished the campaign. I'm excited that I finished the campaign. I really enjoyed the campaign as I think you'll see as we go through the episode here. And so normally like these episodes, I like to call them the, just the torn episodes. And it's usually me kind of just rambling for a little bit, but not this time. I actually have notes and I'm ready to go. Uh, if you want to hear me ramble, you have to be a patron and check out Wow Thoughts, where I ramble for about 10 to 15 minutes every week about some topic. And uh, it usually goes the full 15. I usually find a way to ramble, but I think you guys listening know that. So uh, you can check that out. But I have to give credit once again. I think as I've given credit on all of these episodes to Spaz Wesson, uh, because he did such a great job. He did such a great job on the uh, the the Night Fae campaign. Uh, we had him and Kurabara on, feels like way back when, but it was only a few episodes ago. And they did such a great job with their notes. And then the following t- week, we tried to do the, the Necrolord campaign. I'm like, yeah, I took great notes. I know what I'm talking about. And then like, we went to talk about it. And like, I was like, half my notes, I was like, I not that it was crap, but like, I felt like I didn't have all the information that I needed at my disposal. I was like, I, you know, like I wrote stuff like this guy sucks and stuff. And I'm like, who's this guy? Like I use pronouns, nothing against pronouns, but like, you know, when you're, you're trying to read your notes, they're not that great. And so, you know, then we brought spaz back again for the Venthyr episode, which was great. And so the whole time I'm playing through bastion, I'm taking like the most detailed notes that I can. So if I'm not happy, if I'm not happy with how this, this episode comes out because of my notes, it's my own fault because I thought I did the best job that I could with my notes. I'm very excited about this. This is like the ultimate test. Like if I can pass the spaz test as it were. So once again, big shout out to spaz for, you know, the great job that he did on the, uh, the vent and the night Fae episodes also shout out to Kurabara, our editor. Uh, he did a great job on the, uh, the night Fae episode as well. So we'll see about that. And also before I begin, I do want to give a big shout out to Katie. I hope she doesn't mind that I'm going to talk about this here. Uh, but uh, the reason she hasn't been on the last few episodes and, uh, you know, she'll be, she'll be back. It's not like she's gone, uh, but her schedule has been very hectic lately uh, because she's got a lot of schoolwork uh, in her video game uh, design classes that she's taking uh, so she can become a game designer and make some great games. I don't know if she'll ever work on anything that, you know, Blizzard or not, but, um, you know, whatever she, you know, wherever she goes, she'll be a valued asset as a developer, I'm sure. Um but I just want to give her a big shout out because she's been, you know, busting her butt to get all that done. 
Um, and you know, I, I you know, I, I don't want to say like, I can see all the hard work she's putting. It's not like I'm standing over her shoulder, but I can see like all the, I can see the fact that she's not putting in the hard work here. Um, not that we put in a lot of hard work. I mean, you know, we just talk about, wow, but no, I think she, you know, she's doing a great job with what she's been doing. And I, I, I tip my hat to her. So, uh, you know, uh, Kate, Katie, I'll hold down the fort for you. She'll be back in a few episodes anyway. So I uh, hope she doesn't mind that I talked about that. That said, now let's get into it because this is, uh, you know, th- this campaign, I want to play something here at the beginning. And, and, and for those in the stream, I hope this comes across. Okay. Um, Kura, if you need to edit this because of the quality later, well, we can talk about that, but, uh, I want to play a clip from the half hill report episode 157. Uh, so give me a moment. I thought I had it queued up. Apparently I do not. So just give me one moment here. And uh, this is about the Ascended. So let's go ahead. Let me, let's see how this goes. The Half Hill Report is made possible in part thanks to a generous grant from the Ascended. Have you lived an exemplary life of duty and service? Do you like to travel? If so, why not consider a career with the Ascended when you get to the afterlife? The Ascended. Travel, duty, service, and totally not a cult. Okay, so I thought, I was listening to that the first time. I actually messaged Tosh Mifuni about this when I listened to that. Um, this is from, I think, like three months ago or so, where the episode was. Um, and it's, you know, it's like an advertisement for The Ascended, which I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, we don't get to choose where we go. The, uh, the Arbiter chooses that. Why would, why would you be advertising if, if the Arbiter is going to choose? I, you know, it's not like you can show up at the Arbiter and be like, hey, not that I get any input here, but, you know, can you throw me to the Ascended? But, so I, I, I was, like, kind of disagreeing with the premise of the ad. But then he gets to the end where he's, like, totally not a cult. I'm like, okay, that was, that was, that was funny. Because when we talked about them in Bastion, when you play through the Bastion stuff, especially because it's your first, it's your first experience with a zone in the Shadowlands other than the Maw and Oribos, you know, it's your, your first like real, like, you know, your, your, your experience with like a covenant zone. They seem cultish. They totally seem cultish because it's like, you have to come in and, and intentionally forget everything that you've ever known. You know, you, you change who you are fundamentally completely. I mean, Pelagos changes genders. There's a, what Galathos was a Tauren. you know, you become just this generic blue Kyrian person with no memory of what you were before all in the name of some service to this path that as we've seen with, you know, as, as we'll talk about, you know, some of the, the, some of the members are starting to become a little bit questionable about. And so, yeah, they totally seem like a cult. And I, I thought that was hilarious. And it's not until it's not until you get to the point in the Necrolord campaign, when uh, you go with uh, Mograine and he talks to, uh, what was it? it was one of the paragons. I can't remember which one. Um, but you go with Mograine and he asks like, why I think it's a paragon of courage. And I think about it, but he asks like, why did I not come here? And the paragon is like, you didn't come here because your strength comes from your memories. The only people that we bring here that the arbiter sends here, at least in theory, the people that the arbiter should be sending here, if the arbiter is doing her job are people who are so innately drawn to service that they don't need any sense of self that they, they understand the value of service at their core. And, and then you start to realize that the way the covenants work, it's, it, it's, it's a cult to a degree, but the only people being sent there are people who legitimately belong in the cult. I guess you could say that they have such that they're, they're 
design, like, I don't want to say by design, but it's just like their, their, their mental structure, their soul is of such a nature that it is perfectly compatible with the, the, the workings of the covenant. And so you can have a covenant that seems a bit, uh, I guess, draconian almost, they're, you know, uh, authoritarian in their, you know, the way that they're like, forget your old, old life and, and we have to mold you into this form. You can have a covenant like that because if the system's working, the only people who are going there are people who would be okay with that. Now, the fact that the force won't even exist means maybe the system wasn't working and we'll get into that a little bit, but it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's fascinating how the, 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 the Kyrian come across one way. And then as you work with them, you, you, you slowly kind of get to, to respect them and, and learn and, and understand them a bit better. So I, I enjoyed that aspect of the campaign. Um, so the other fun thing that I had with this campaign is that I went in with my death knight and this is my death knight who I started him back. Uh, I started him back before warlords of Draenor. My plan was I wanted to play through all the warlord zones uh, or the, the old, all the outland zones right before warlords came out. So I could compare the two. I got into Zanger Marsh at like level 61 and I was like, I, I just hit a wall. I couldn't get any further. And so he sat in Zanger Marsh um, and it should be obvious. The whole reason I rolled a death knight was just so I, cause it, you know, he started at level 58. So I get you right in, right into outland content. He sat in Zanger Marsh until the Legion invasions when I got him up to max level. And then I got to play because I got him to max level. I got to play through the amazing death knight campaign with him. He sat out BFA basically. And then I brought him back. And since he's a Draenei, I was like, well, for, for me, like the Draenei, they're very closely attuned with the light. And so it made sense for me, even though he's a death knight, it made sense for me because he was a Draenei to bring him to Bastion. So that, so it's been fun looking at the Bastion aesthetic and I'm running around and I got the, the skulls on my weapons. I'm running around with the, uh, the one, the, the blades of the fallen prince. Uh, and there's one point which we'll get to where I'm talking to Uther and Uther's talking about Frostmourne and I'm holding basically, you know, what currently exists of Frostmourne, like right in front of him. Like, dude, like this is my sword. Stop talking about that. But, um, it's been fun to ju juxtapose the death Knight aesthetic against the Kyrian aesthetic. And I've, I've enjoyed that aspect of this, um, as I've been going through here. So at any rate, let's, uh, let's get into the actual story now here. So, oh, and one other thing I want to mention too, uh, before I forget is that if you do want to hear Katie, because Katie and I did record a podcast this week, we will be on scrubs versus the world with uh, Sai and Projali. So go check that out. Uh, they invited us on, uh, Katie did find time in her schedule to, to come on with us. And we talked about, uh, they wanted to talk about controversial stuff in WoW, and so we had a list of controversial things. And I feel like for the most part, we kind of like agreed on it. Like it didn't feel as controversial as it was supposed to, but it was still a good conversation. I had a lot of fun with those guys. We'll probably have them on in, in the near future here when uh, we can work the schedule out. So uh, go check out Scrubs vs. the World. Uh, that's a great podcast. We were on there. Uh, so big shout out also to uh, Cyrub and to Projali. With that said, let's get into the campaign. Uh, so... I tried to break this up by chapter. I'm still a little unclear exactly what chapters one and two are in the, uh, in everything. Uh, I did do threads of fate on this character. Uh, I found that to be incredibly useful, uh, because since I wanted to get a, a running start on the uh, campaign, uh, when you do threads of fate, you start with like four or five, actually maybe even six, like four to six renown. Uh, which is enough to get you right into the covenant campaign and then uh, doing some world quests and, and uh, especially the, the, uh, the anima quest and the lost souls quest 
um, there was enough to just keep me rolling right through the content that I got to, I'm, I think I'm at level 31 renown right now. Um, and I didn't really have to go out of my way to, to get any excess renown or anything. So I was, I was able to play right through the storyline, uh, with no problem. So, um, overall, I think threads of fate was okay. It wasn't anything better than the main level experience. Um, but in, in, in my case, because I wanted to focus on the story campaign, uh, the renown was a big boost. That said, I know that if you do Threads of Fate in Ardenweald, uh, you don't get to see the play part. And so I'm not sure if I missed anything in Bastion. I tried to look that up. I didn't see if I missed anything here. Um, but if there is any little incident or, or you know some story event that happens at the very beginning of the campaign that I missed, I apologize. I'm not aware of that. Uh, so all of that said, let's go ahead and let's get into the actual campaign here. Uh, so, uh, chapter one here, uh, you know, after you, you, uh, get to finish threads of fate and you make your, actually you already made your choice. So you finish threads of fate and you get to go back to Elysian hold and you, uh, so the archon is there and they're arranging a grand reception. So you have to go to the seat of eternal hymns. So there's a ceremony there with the archon, uh, for, uh, people joining the Kyrian. I think it's actually, no, this is a ceremony for you to join the Kyrian, I think. So you head then, uh, back to Elysian hold where you get to bask in all its glory. Uh, you do the quest to meet the vendors there. You do get to do some world quests. Then you head off to the mall and meet Venari. You get to collect some souls. There's the eye of the jailer that you have to watch or watches you. Uh, you reinforce some wards so that Venari can stay hidden. Uh, you place a beacon in Cosiris, uh, and that's where you see Bane when he gets pulled back into Torghast. Then you go to Bolvar, um, and Bolvar is like, okay, well, we'll have to find a way to find Bane. Go back to your covenant. And at that point, I go back and report to Polemark Adrestes. Uh, and uh, we take some lost souls that we got. We give them to Hafis, who is the Sanctum uh, Guardian. He's the, guy, he's the guy you give your anima to, basically. And uh, actually, no, Hafis, if you're taking the lost souls, Hafis is under the, uh, it's like in, in the Elysium Hold, like the, uh, where the, the souls go. There, that's under, like there's a tunnel under where the Archon is. Uh, so yeah, that's where Hafis is. So you take the lost souls to him. Uh, you get to choose your upgrades for the Sanctum. You get your soul bind, and then you move into chapter two. At least I think it's chapter two. And this is where we head back to Oribos. We see Bolvar. We go to Venari. We get into Torghast. Uh, we use the Attune Shard, go into Torghast. It's Archibon Hall. We kill the Warden Freebane, find the key to the, get to the Rune Carver. Uh, then we get to free the, we need to free the Rune Carver's arm. So we go back to Oribos for a moment. Uh, that's when Verain and uh, asks us about Venari, and we play dumb. We go back into the mall. We got to get some molten anima and melt the chains. We free the Rune Carver's arm. The Rune Carver's got one arm now. He's super happy. Who knows how long it's been since he had a free arm? That's I'm blowing through that again because that's all standard uh, every Covenant stuff here. So really, when the the campaign starts in honest, when it gets good, is Chapter Three. It's the Trial of Ascension, and we have to help Clea with her final Trial of Ascension. And then they point out that Pelagos, who's her soulbind, should be helping her, but he's not ready. Uh, so we head to the Court of Elation. Except of course the court has been taken over by the Forsworn because everything in Bastion gets taken over by the Forsworn. Uh, so we have, uh, there's Clea who's with us and we have a killin and Palessa are the other two aspirants that are with us. And we have to kill strategist Palladia and instructor Harris. Uh, Clea finds the scroll of ritual to open the gates. And, uh, let's see here. Yes. And then, um, there's a, uh, yeah, Clea, we've, Clea found the scroll of ritual to open the gates. So we assist in the ritual and we light the sensors. And then a killin says doubt has no place in a Kyrian heart. So we go through the veil and there, there's like a bunch of little portals that open up and 
we uh, we go through with Clea. Uh, I think uh, who would I say it was? Uh, Achillon and Palessa. They go through like their own, and there's a few other ones that they go through. And we wind up of all places. We wind up is back in Azeroth, and there's a Valkyr there, and she's a named Valkyr, which is you know, or, or you know, I shouldn't say Valkyr. It's a spirit healer. It's a, a named spirit healer. Uh, her name is Alithia, and she welcomes us back to Azeroth. It, it, and so she welcomes Clea there because I guess it's like Clea's first time getting to Azeroth. We get to go there. We find out we're in Red Ridge and we have to bear a soul that died in Red Ridge. And the soul's name is Ben Howell. And so we get to play as Ben. You get a little like scenario event where you play as Ben. You get to live through his final moments. And it starts off all nice and happy. He's got a little farm out uh, just off the docks in, in Red Ridge. And you've, he's got a family, of course, because of course he's got a family because, you know, why? Let, let's start twisting the knife early here because we know this isn't, isn't going to end well. But he's got a son, Brandon, wife, Sarah, baby Gwendolyn and daughter Millie. And so they're all hanging out on the farm. Uh, you got to go hunt some rabbits for dinner. And while you're out hunting rabbits, there's a rabid wolf that you see eating a vicious ghoul. Like the ghoul's just dead and the, the wolf is picking at its corpse. And like, OK, that's a little offsetting. But OK, let's uh, let's let's keep moving on here. So we got to bring some wood to Magistrate Solomon, uh, and he mentions that the townsfolk actually, or, you know, as you're as you're going through, you're talking to a bunch of the townsfolk, and they all mention feeling on edge, like something's not right. And uh, Solomon, the magistrate, he asks you to lead the town militia, and Ben says, "No, I'm I'm good. I got my family to go take care of." And then somebody makes a comment: "The townsfolk have been crying wolf all day." And of course, as soon as they say that, that's when the scourge attack. And so this is a scourge attack, which, as we know, like, you know, from the events that we had in Ice Crown, uh, ever since Sylvanas broke the crown, there's no Lich King to keep the scourge in check. So apparently the scourge have managed to make it all the way down to Red Ridge. And so you run out, you start boarding up windows, you start yelling for everybody in the town, get to the town hall, get inside. You run up to the family, you get your family inside the house, so they should be safe. And at that point, you've got your gun and the scourge are coming around. And your daughter made you a lemonade and you have that and you can try to drink the lemonade, which hopefully it, it doesn't really do anything, but I guess it's a nice gesture. Um, and then, yeah, the scourge ultimately over, overwhelmed Ben and he dies. And so Clea then says, Ben, this is just the beginning. I cannot wait to see which realm you are sent to. You will be rewarded for your selflessness and bravery. And Ben's not ready to go because, you know, his family is still in danger of the scourge. He needs to know what happens. Uh, but, you know, but so they, they're like, look, you can't worry about that now. We got to go. And then uh, they use the Vesper to call the Kiri, and it brings Clea and, and ourself and Ben to the Arbiter. Except that it doesn't. Because this, this is where I'm, like, screaming. Like, basically, like, as soon as Ben died, and they're like, okay, let's go. Which, which Covenant you're going to go to? And I'm, like, yelling at my, my monitor, like, what are you talking about? Like, how do you not understand that the, 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 the Wheel of Death is broken? The, the Cycle of Death is broken. The Machine of Death is broken. and this isn't going to work. Like, have you guys been bringing souls into the maw this whole time? Like, okay, you know what? I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. And I'll say like, okay, like, like up until I showed up in bastion, starting the, uh, you know, starting the, the, the whole campaign there after I came through Ouroboros. But like when, when, when our character shows up in bastion is like, Hey, they're like, you're immortal. What are you doing here? And they're like, yeah, things aren't right. They should have realized like things were all wrong and no, they didn't. You sh so you show up in Bastion at the beginning of the campaign and all that time you're going to the other zones, you pick your covenant, you come back. They're still sending souls into the maw. So you're over there at Ouroboros and, and she, she throws, 
she throws Ben's soul. Uh, what is it? She uh, she throws Ben's soul like into the 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 soul river, and it goes right through Oribos into the maw. And Clea's like, "Wait, where are the souls? They should be streaming out of Oribos to their new realms. There they are. W- where are they? They are all going to the maw, Ben." And it's like, well, what? Is, like, what? What did you think was going to happen? I I I I wanted to slap Clea. I was like. There's a what? What is? It? I, I think I put on Twitter. There's a the clip from the old mo- movie UHF, the Weird Al movie with the uh, the the wheel of fish, where the the lady makes the wrong choice and is like, "Stupid, you're so stupid!" Like, what are you guys doing? And so Clea admits that she knew the souls weren't going to Bastion because obviously, like they they were having a drought. But I guess because they hadn't talked to anybody else, that she never realized that the souls were going straight into the maw. And then Clea says, this drought is so much larger than I imagined. Why did nobody tell us? And it's like, why do you think a mortal showed up in Bastion? (laughs) What do you think we're doing here? We're here to tell you the drought is bigger than you expected. So, yeah, so I'm like, uh, I'm, 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 I'm just like, just in complete dismay at this. Like what? Like, I mean. Not only you had the whole heartbreaking aspect of the the scenario where like, yes, you know, this guy's going to die. Like, okay. So like, oh, you know, like blizzard pouring it on with the family and everything like, okay, you know, you're, you're, you're setting me up to, to, you know, have some feels or whatever, but this, like, there's a whole level of dramatic irony here that, you know, like as soon as, as soon as we show up and like, okay, we're going to ferry you off to your afterlife. We're like, no, we're ferrying off to the mall. We, as the player know that. And it's incredibly frustrating not to be able to convey that to Clea because like if we had any sort of agency, we could have been like, whoa, do not bring this guy to the mall under any circumstances. Like he probably doesn't belong in Bastion, but he'd be better off there. Like just bring him there, let him chill until this whole jailer thing gets sorted over and then he can, you know, get rearbitered or whatever, you know. But unfortunately, so this dude, this dude, he gets killed by the scourge. All he wants to do is check on how his family's gonna do against the scourge. And he can't even do that because he, he he gets sent right into the mall, which is like the source of the scourge power. So he goes from like a little bit of scourge to like a ton of scourge. He's probably being infused into a weapon or something the way the jailer's doing all that stuff. So it's, it's I don't know. I, part of me hopes that at some point we see him again, like especially when we start like actually going into the mall and, and, and bringing, you know, bringing out the fight to the jailer as it were. Um, but I, 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 I doubt that. I mean, he's a very, very minor character in the the scheme of things, but uh, it would be nice to know that he's okay. Not that he gets reunited with his family. Cause that'd be terrible in its own right. If it means that his family died, but uh, yeah, this, it was just, this is just a very tragic, tragic opening. And I was just like, like, what is this campaign going to have in store for me? The way this went, cause I was not, uh, I don't want to say I was not happy by this, but I was like, what like, what was the point? I understand the point, but like, it's just what, like, I, I just don't understand how the Kyrian were that far up their own butts that they had no idea that this is what was going on. And we, we just got to sit there and watch it and be like, well, what did you think was going to happen? So anyway, so we returned to Bastion and Clea's all like, just, you know, Clea's starting to be a little bit affected by things. Uh, but at this point now, since everybody got to go through the process of bringing a soul back, um, we return to Bastion and we get to assist in the ascension ceremony because several of the aspirants are now ready to ascend. So the, we have to usher the aspirants up to the uh, crest of ascension and the crest of ascension. When you get into Elysium hold, it's this big like mound, kind of like a, like a, a, not quite a pyramid, but like a, not quite a dome either. It's like this big mound right in the middle of this like sort of 
uh, area right at the right in the front, and it's kind of bland when you get there. It's just like steps leading up to a little like circular spot where somebody can stand. And so I guess this is the the crest of ascension. And so the aspirants they 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 you know they're escorted up the up the steps to the top of the the mound, and then they you know they they go through the little ascension ceremony where they get their wings and they become a full on Kyrian. And then they go on with their business. And so we usher, we usher uh, Clora, who becomes a disciple of courage. We usher up Forge Light Siphone, who becomes a collector. And then we usher up Clea, who's about to be, uh, who gets uh, ascended. But before it can be announced what she is, the ceremony is interrupted by Devos, who reveals herself as the Forsworn leader, finally. Because if you, had, if you hadn't watched the Uther Afterlives, and... I'll, uh, we'll get to that because the, the, the Uther Afterlives does come into play in a little bit. But if you hadn't watched the Uther Afterlives, then maybe you had no idea that Devos was the, the leader of the Forsworn. Uh, although, although I want to say it was Jin on, on uh, Live, Laugh, Lore made a comment about Devos having weird, like weird headgear. And I noticed the whole point of her helmet being all weird shaped is that when you're in the uh, the one little place watching Lasonia's memories, and the, the leader of the Forsworn is like blacked out, like you can only see the, like their profile. You'll notice the helmet is all weird shaped, and then if you look, that you can actually uh, there's like little mirrors along the edges. You can t- look into the mirrors, and you'll see each of the paragons. You can see like the mirror, like you see Devos in her loyalty gear, and she has the same helmet. So like, if you pay close enough attention, you'll be like, oh, wait, that paragon is the same kind of helmet as this shadowy figure here. You could figure out it's Devos based on the profile, although it'd be very, very tricky. And it's much easier to just watch the afterlives and you'll know who it is. Anyway, so Devos finally reveals herself as the Forsworn leader. Uh, they, they blow up the Crest of Ascension while Clea is still standing on it. So she gets knocked off and she's hitting the blast. Pelagos runs up uh, and has to hold her back to heal her. Uh, so there's a call for reinforcements. Loyalty, of course, is overrun by Forsworn, uh, but wisdom is on the way. Uh, the wards are down. The temples are vulnerable. Uther, uh, who's the uh, the Forsworn commander, he's in the audience chamber. Uh, so we go fight with Uther until we get him to leave. Uh, the Crest of Ascension, as I said, is broken, and the Spires of Ascension will soon belong to the Forsworn. Uh, Akalon, who is one of the aspirants I mentioned earlier, he fell, uh, and... Uh, this is the point where we get to soul bind with Clea. And it's interesting that we get to soul bind with Clea because Clea was already soul bound with Pelagos. And so even though in, even though like, uh, I guess mechanically in the game, like you can only have one active soul bind, the other soul binds still exist. Like you can soul bind with multiple people. So it seems like, I don't know, it seemed like a kind of one-to-one thing, but apparently not like you can have multiple soul binds because there are various points later on where Pelagos, uh, who's the next soul bind for the record. Uh, he references the fact that you and Clea and him are all soul bound together. Um, so, you know, I guess that's very progressive of Blizzard to be uh, playing with the soul binds that way. Anyway, uh, so now it's time to go into the, the Spires of Ascension dungeon to go get Devos. And so we head into the Spires of Ascension. Uh, the bosses there are Kintara, who, um, who she was an aspirant. She became Forsworn, and the Forsworn were like, oh, you're ready to go. We'll just get you ascended immediately. So she gets to be ascended. She has a Wind Serpent pet named Azula's, and you uh, you fight the two of them. Uh, next boss is Ventanax, who's a dark Kyrian Praetor. Uh, this was a Praetor that originally tested the courage of Kyrian aspirants and then got turned. And then there's a, f- a, fe- 
was it Orifreon, the Dark Colossus. Uh, so that's one of the big, uh, it's like an anima cannon, basically. Like, you got to take that out. And then finally, you get Devos, the Paragon of Doubt. And one of the fun things about this dungeon is as you're going through, like, the entire time, Devos and uh, the Archon are going back and forth about, you know, about, like, you know, why Devos is doing this, which we know, you know, how she came to question the path, doesn't believe in the path. And, you know, when she brought evidence that things weren't right, the path, uh, well, the Archon, you know, via the path ignored her. Um, and apparently that you, so there's a part where like Devos and the Archon are fighting. Apparently you can let the Archon die. And if you do, then they start yelling about how, uh, if the Archon dies, then Bastion will fall apart or Bastion will crumble. And people have taken that to mean that like the Archon is, is like her life force is somehow connected to Bastion. Uh, and it goes in the same argument with like the, uh, how, uh, Maldraxxus might possibly be alive in some capacity. Um, you know, the, the, what exactly is the true nature of these zones? Like, like the winter queen and, and Ardenweald are somehow like one. Um, it's not clear if that's a, a, a bug exactly. Uh, cause I think that might've only been in the, that might've been seen in the beta. I don't know if it's been seen on live, but so yeah, there, there is some speculation there, uh, based on that, that yeah, like the Archon and Bastion are, are linked very closely. Which also makes sense because later on when uh, Anduin stabs the Archon, he makes sure not to kill her. So we know, you know, because otherwise, you know, I guess he still has some use for Bastion. I guess at the very least, you know, if you're going to send Meldraxxus in to get their anima, you, you need the place there to get the anima from. So uh, that could be that. But anyway, so we, we fight Devos, we kill Devos, and then we get to talk to Karestria, the Archon. Karestria, the firstborn, the Archon. And this is what she says. She says, Devos, the jailer schemes have torn a schism in the ranks of the Kyrian, one that must be healed. Long have we believed that our mortal lives are burdens to be shed in the name of service. And yet, the deeds of mortals are what won the day. You have my gratitude. Once the jailer lies defeated, there may be much for the Kyrian to discuss. So Devos is ultimately successful in her goal of getting the Kyrian to change and to evaluate what they're doing. Um, and I guess to kind of become a little less culty that, you know, she wants them to acknowledge like, you know, one, that there's evil that they need to be paying attention for out there that like, oh yeah, you know, maw energy is getting out of the mall. We need to fix that. But also, you know, we need to, you know, like people don't necessarily want to give up their memories. There's value in those memories. Those memories could have alerted them to the fact that maw energy was escaping way earlier than they knew. And so, you know, so, so it, it was kind of a suicide mission. She had to die. Well, she had to die ultimately um, to, you know, to, she had to fight against Carestria to get her attention, but it seems like the message got through. And so at some point in the future to be determined, they're going to rethink things, but obviously they've got bigger issues in front of them. So we kill Devos. She wounds the Archon, but we win uh, Devos. We find had a soul mirror. So we bring the soul mirror to Thenios. Uh, he tells us, uh, where to go to bring the soul mirror and we get to watch Uther's memory, which is afterlives. So we, this is where, this is where in, in the campaign, the afterlives fits in. And it's again, it's just, it's just weird that like, okay, it makes sense. You want, you have this movie that you want to put into the story. It makes sense. Let's put this here. But the fact that it was, this was like the very first thing we saw of Shadowlands. This was, this was their big thing back at Gamescom last year when they wanted to announce the release date, the, the, 
month early release date. And it like putting this movie here after you have slain Devos, after you know what's going on with everybody to get a memory for Uther that is the afterlives. And you're like, okay, this makes sense in the story. Now I understand because now you're watching the problem is again, talking about dramatic irony again. The problem is that when you're playing through the story, you know, Devos is bad. So all the little things to kind of obscure her identity just come off as weird because it's like, well, why are you obscuring your identity? I, I know who she is. If you watch Afterlives here where it's put into the story, now the the dramatic irony is mo- shifted from the narrative part or the, the campaign earlier into the, the little story itself. So you're watching and you're the whole time you're like, okay, Uther and Devos are working together. They're both going to turn evil at some point. And that changes the way you're viewing that because now you're like, okay, how does Uther go from being, you know, noble Uther paladin to crazed forsworn commander? Now you get it. Whereas before we're watching, I remember when, when we watched Afterlives the first time, I kind of felt like Uther and Devos might be the heroes that the cold dismissive logic of the Archon kind of made her feel like a villain. And so, yeah, you have that really ominous artwork of Uther, you know, throwing Ar- Arthas into the maw at the end. And then the way like Devos and, and Uther are both kind of very like silhouetted darkly to indicate that they're, they're the, the bad guys here, but they had a valid point. And so, like, in a way, that opened up more questions than I think it intended to. And so putting the putting the, the cinematic here is sort of a capstone. Like, OK, like, let's bring you up to speed now. Let you know, cause let's fill you in on the backstory of Uther a little bit. So you're, you're ready to go with him. That makes more sense there. But I don't, I don't know. I, I, I wish that if they were going to play games with Devos's identity like they did, I wish they had done a slightly different afterlives. Um, you know, they could have still put a movie in here. They could have held Uther's afterlives until here and done something else to promote Bastion earlier. Um, but just, yeah, like that. And don't get me wrong as a promotional tool, the way that tied into Arthas and everything, it was a great afterlives for the time, but then they needed to adjust the campaign for it. It it didn't either. They needed to make something that worked at the beginning or they needed to make something that worked at, at this point in the campaign. That movie could not do both, not the way it was done. And then there are changes that need to be made. But that said, you know, this is what we, we, this is how the story goes. So this is when we finally get the afterlives. Um, and then the last thing we get in this chapter is that Thenios points out that Lysonia, uh, who we had fought earlier, uh, you know, since she was the hand of, uh, hand of doubt, now she gets promoted. She's the new Forsworn leader. So now we go into chapter four. And uh, here, the Forge Light Prime, uh, Mikano, was it Mikanikos, I think is his name, Mechanikos, uh, he wants to build a new Crest of Ascension. And so. We have to go get Phaestius, which is uh, the genesis of the Aeons, the hammer of the first forge light. So it's this big, uh, this big mallet. We got to go get that. And of course, the hammer is at the shrine of the first forge light in the Eternal Forge, which is overrun by the Forsworn. Uh, so we meet with Mikanikos to get the hammer. Uh, Sika is left in charge. Uh, Sika is another uh, Mikanikos. If you don't know, he's at least one of the stewards, but he's like a super intelligent steward. He's not your average steward. Uh, so he's kind of special. Uh, Sika is more of a, a typical steward. Like she's like his, uh, like right hand steward. Uh, so we leave Sika in charge. We're only able to save one Goliath, uh, from the forge. Uh, so we have to kill machines to gather metal. We free some stewards. We gather up tools. We kill overseer Atticus to get Phaestus. Uh, we rebuild the Goliath brawn. And, uh, this is when Lasonia returns and she announces herself as the leader of the Forsworn, as Thenios said, said, uh, Braun, who's this big, you know, one of the big anima goliaths uh he messes up the forsworn forces uh it's funny because uh 
as you're going around the area, there is colossuses that the Forsworn are building. And so he like everybody's just cl- like climbs onto him because you got like six or eight stewards. You're on there with the hammer. And so you're running around on this giant colossus. And then when you get to the the other colossuses, he like the stewards all jump in his hand and he just throws the stewards at the colossus. And then they like grab onto that colossus and they dismantle it to take it down. So that's kind of cool. Um, so, you know, so you, you get back, to, uh, you, you reclaim the eternal forge, uh, you head back to Elysium hold and you rebuild the crest of ascension and you're going to rebuild it way better than it was before the attack. So there's more work to be done and we're not just rebuilding a little simple mound with steps. So chapter five, uh, this, if you recall the Necro Lord episode, and I think I referenced this earlier, this is the other side of the Alexandros Mograine visit, or at least it's related to that. Uh, because uh, the Kyrian have been contacted by the uh, the Necro Lords, you know that we we both have unfinished business with the House of Rituals and the House of Constructs since they invaded uh, Bastion at the end of the Bastion campaign in the the leveling part. So we go over into Maldraxxus. We had to Spider's Watch to take down Garmal in the House of Constructs. This part plays out pretty much exactly like it does in the Necro Lord campaign. Uh, Spider's Watch is where you meet up with the Kyrian survivors that you saved from the House of Constructs. If you remember, there was uh, the one the one guy who, uh, Thales, I think his name was, he got blinded, he had no eyes. And then there was uh, Hao and Koa, who were the two stewards um, that were that were like partners together. And, and then there was the other steward, I can't remember his name, but he had like no tongue, I think. Um, yeah, so, so you, uh, and then also there was the one, uh, there was the one uh, ascended who was there with the, the wings and, and uh, she actually, you actually get to do missions with her. Kinthia, I think uh, Kinthia was her name was. So, uh, so you, you, so you meet up with them at spider's watch. Uh, you go with Xandria, the paragon of courage and you meet Draca aboard Zeracris, uh, which at the, which at the time you don't know that that's the, the necropolis that the Necrolord campaign you're, you, you hijacked. You just, it's just a necropolis. Um, but there's a nice little symmetry there. Alexandros is there with Emony, who you don't know that Emony is like a major construct in the Necrolord campaign. She's just some construct that's there. Uh, they're leading the other front. So you, we go in with Xandria. We have to mark crystals so that the Kyrian can destroy them. Once destroyed, Kyrian, the Kyrian can take to the skies. Um, so we find a document that talks about Kyrian flesh being stronger, and there's an option for a wing transplant. So that's where we find out about uh, they want to build uh, abominations with wings on them, which is frightening. Uh, so we kill some inert butchers. We find more, more designs. We have to kill Woblade, who is an abomination. And then we meet up with Alexandros and his forces. We fly across the field with Kinthia, um, get under assault by Juggernauts. Uh, we, charge, we charge the Runeblade, which I guess even though we went with the Kyrian, uh, with, even though we went with the Kyrian Covenant, we still have the rune blade that the Primus left uh, that allowed us to open up the seat of the Primus. So we use that rune blade uh, to uh, take out some of the juggernauts. Uh, we take out the astral projectors and, and there's some rocks there that we take out. And then we have to destroy a bunch of the juggernauts that lures out uh, Margrave Garmal. Uh, we attack Garmal while Draka readies to use Zeracris to take him out. Uh, Xandria fights Garmal while we just fight some ads around the area in the middle. And then uh, Draka blows him up. Uh, Garmal dies. And then we go and claim his heart. This is where things differ. Like up, uh, everything up to here pretty much is the same as the 
the Necrolord campaign. And then at the end, it's different because if you're a Necrolord, this is where like you go and you find Garmal's animal supply and they're like, hey, you need to go talk to the people in Revendreth. Instead here, we go and we take Garmal's heart and uh, Xandria, the Paragon of Courage, she says, if we could harness that power, our Ascended would be stronger than ever before. It is not our way, but our way is changing, I think. Perhaps this is a step on our new path. And then looking at the heart, she says, I am relieved I am not the one to carry that thing back to Bastion. So we bring the heart back. Uh, on the new Crest of Ascension, there are three little orbs, little like, they look like bubbles, little blue bubbles. And you go and you put the heart in one of the bubbles. And so, it, it, so it seems that you have, you're going to want to have to collect something for the other two bubbles as well. And uh, exactly. And then Xandria suggests uh, getting enhancements from other realms for the other two little bubbles. So that ends that chapter. Let's move into chapter six now. So Adrestes sends us to get the seal of contrition from Revendreth. Uh, he says he needs an artifact that embodies repentance, atoning for past mistakes. And that's interesting because on the one hand, you need, on the one hand, like, you know, part of the Kyrian is like, you know, as much as you're, you, you value service, like they, they, they're people, they've made mistakes and there's a little bit of atonement involved in that process of, you know, shedding your, your life and becoming a Kyrian. But also there's a, there's, that's kind of a theme here that the, the, the Kyrian are, are kind of wising up and realizing like, Hey, we made a mistake. we, need to be repentant. We need to atone. And so it's interesting to see like the Kyrian are, are f finally coming around to getting on board, you know, getting on board with what's happening better late than never, better late than never. So we meet with the curator out in Darkhaven in Revendreth and the curator asks Clea for a feather from her wings, which is a little awkward. Um, so the seal of contrition was created by a noble named Alwyn and the curator knows who can help, but that person's not going to help willingly. So we have to, it's the countess. We have to go get the countess's sin stone to get, so that, uh, she can help us find the seal. So we head to the chalice district and we collect rumors and the rumors have various information. Uh, we need to keep killing, uh, Denathrius loyalists to keep the Kyrian presence a secret. So basically if anybody spots you, you got to kill them. And Pelagos comes along with us. Uh, but, but Clea, because she's got wings, she can just fly away and kind of stay out of sight. Pelagos can't do that. He's stuck. So he, one, he talks about running into some small men in the mud, which is the dredgers, which is funny. And then it's also funny too, because he talks about the dredgers. And I think we've talked about this before, the comparisons between the dredgers and the stewards. Um, so, the, you know, so it's interesting, the, the connections between these two, uh, these two covenants kind of keep growing. Uh, but then the rumors that we have to gather, we find out that Duke Grigor is not absolving souls like he's supposed to be. Madame Tassa shops at the night market. Lord Silviu knows where the sinstone is, but it doesn't say which sinstone. And House Primrose invites Darkvane and Sinfang to discuss the Countess. And that's our, our clue, our tip-off here, that House Primrose is who's running this. So the Countess has a Sinstone in a crypt. The keys are spread amongst the nobility as a sign of favor. So we have to collect flower petals to counter the curses that are about. Uh, the keys are shards of a mirror to the crypt. So we, we, you know, we get the, the various keys, to the keys, but they're all just mirror shards. Once we have all the, the shards, we put them together. They form a mirror. We get to go into the crypt. Pelagos, we have to get a disguise for Pelagos. So we collect little uh, pieces of cloth from various mobs. And then he puts it on and it's just a hood. And everybody's like, yeah, that, that's, that's not going to work. You, you need a better disguise. So 
Pel- uh, so we look for items. We're in the Redlev district now. Pelagos uses an illusion to disguise himself as a Venthyr noble. Uh, we reassemble the mirror. Pelagos is able to bluff off the guards because he looks like a, mo- a noble. Uh, and he's having fun with this. Pelagos, I'll say it now. Pelagos, I feel like, saves the Kyrian for me. That he is like the heart of the Kyrian. That he's that little underdog guy. He's not fully... He's not the most powerful. He's the, you know, but he, he he's he's the guy like he's going to get up and fight and do what do what needs to be done as best he can even though he's a little bit uh you know uh, he, he's he's you know he's not like you said he's not he's not an, a full ascendant. He's just an aspirant. So, you know, he's not the strongest, he's not the toughest, he's not the biggest, but he's got the biggest heart. And I think that kind of comes off here that like, you know, like here, he's not very good at disguising himself, but he figures out how to get an illusion. And then he bluffs off the guards and he's excited. Like I bluffed off the guards. I didn't, I didn't realize I could do that. So, you know, so this, this is really where Pelago starts to come through for me, um, that he kind of becomes the heart of the campaign. So we claim this in stone. We go through the mirror with the curator to confront the countess, but the countess was waiting and it's an ambush. So we negotiate with the countess and instead of fighting, we eat a feast. The Countess tells the story of the seal, that it was created by Alwyn, uh, who purged souls quickly but did not collect anima. So uh, Denathrius exiles Alwyn to the Ember Ward. So we got to go to Theotar in the Ember Ward. So we get to go meet up with Theotar. Uh, Alwyn is there. He's a mind-scorched ash ghoul. We find out that the seal was stolen by a duke, so we head through the Ashen Traverse to get the seal. Uh, Clea, upon seeing the Ember Ward, admits that the light goes too far in its punishment. Uh, we kill Duke Vial to recover the seal. The curator is sad to see us go. Pelagos admits that there are similarities between the Kyrian and the Venthyr, as I've been pointing out for weeks now. I think we've all known there are similarities between the Kyrian and the Venthyr. But it's good to see Pelagos admitting that. At this point, we return to Bastion. Uh, Kelisthene has something we need to see. Uh, Lysonia and Uthar are planning to attack the new Crest of Ascension, because you, apparently you can't have nice things in Bastion. So we place the seal in the Crest. And that ends, and we go into chapter seven. And so chapter seven, we find out the original crest was crafted with Fey assistance. So, of course, it makes sense. We've been to Maldraxxus. We've been to Revendreth. It's time to go to Ardenweald. So deep within Ardenweald lies a portal they maintain to ferry souls back to their world. Uh, which I guess makes sense, because if the Kyrian go and get all the souls, like the souls still somehow need to get back to Ardenweald. So it makes sense there'd be a little like portal connection there. So we seek out the Winter Queen. Uh, Pelagos is sent ahead as an envoy, and we meet with Lord Hearn. Uh, we're sent to a chamber with the Winter Queen and, and uh, the court, and the Winter Queen says that Bastion has been a faithful ally. Uh, we need a vessel of, of Ardenweald, and Willow Blossom agrees to go. And, and I forget who says something along the lines of, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do this? You understand what this entails? And she's like, yeah, I got this. I'll help these people. And it's played off by Willow Blossom as like no big deal. But as soon as I saw that, I'm like, I think I know where this is going. So, and the fact that I'm pointing out means you might have an idea where this is going. So let's, let's find out where this is going. So we need to go get Grubby, uh, not just Teddy Ruxpin's partner, but a Silk Strider larva, a little tiny Gorm. <laughs> not going to say anything, <laughs> but Grubby was taken by the Spriggans and we need Trickster Powder to find him. So the Spriggans are trying to cook the larva. So we have to kill the lead spring in, uh, we mark the illusions. Uh, and, uh, when we mark the illusions that we say, what are you hiding here? Which I thought was a little funny. Uh, we need uh, night veil flowers formerly used in ceremonies since, uh, the drought, they're just used as props at the theater. And, uh, 
So we use trickster powder. To, we use the trickster powder we got earlier. We disguise ourselves as like a, like props for this for the theater, and we have to sneak backstage. And when I went to do this, and I don't know if this happens every time or I just happen to pick a bad time, uh, somebody was doing uh, the Argus fight there. So I got like I was trying to like shuffle around the stage, and I didn't quite see where my mark was, and I missed it. And Argus killed me. So watch out for Argus when you're doing this quest, apparently. But yeah, so you disguise, disguise yourself, you sneak backstage, uh, you get some flowers, and you decide to prank Moonberry while you're doing this. Uh, Pelagos gets uh, some of the wrong seeds. And I'm not sure if he got the wrong seeds because he legitimately made a mistake or if the Night Fae were messing with him a little bit and kind of telling him the wrong seeds. Uh, but at any rate, Pelagos gets the wrong seeds. Then it's time for, to go, for us to go kill some Gorm. So I enjoyed this part. Uh, we got to kill a bunch of Gorm. Uh, we got to burn the overgrowth to, to get into a cave where the seeds were. We had to stop some burrowing Gorm from overrunning the area. We returned to the Grove of Awakening. Uh, and there, Moonberry knows that Willow Blossom pranked her. And she appreciates that uh, because I guess, you know, pranking among the Night Fae is how you show love and respect. So, and this is, of course, when it's revealed that Willow Blossom is the vessel of Ardenweald and she sacrifices herself to create the vessel. And so she, they like shine some light on her and everybody like, you know, hits her with some anima power. And then she like turns into like this little urn thing, like a, like a, like a wicker urn thing. I don't know how to describe it. Like a, like a, a bowl or something. But anyway, so, so yeah, she turns into this little, little vessel and it's got Ardenweal power and Pelagos is affected by her sacrifice that she, un, that, you know, she felt so strongly about what we Kyrians were trying to do that she gave up her life uh, to, you know, so that her anima could uh, exist on in the crest of Ascension. So Pelagos is affected. Everyone is super grateful. We, we go back to Bastion. We place the vessel in the crest. Uh, now we now that we have all three bubbles filled, we're able to activate the new crest. Things are looking good. So now we get to chapter eight, where Lysonia and Uther are heading towards the Temple of Humility. So we meet with Clea outside the temple, and of course the temple is overrun with the Forsworn. So we fly over the temple with Clea, and we see the Paragon of Humility fighting Lysonia alone. All the disciples are cornered, uh, so it looks like the fight's not going very well. Uh, Voitha is the Hand of Humility. Uh, so we stop the Forsworn from getting some scrolls of, of knowledge that I guess they want these scrolls to be able to figure out what their next, or these scrolls have information about a ritual they want to do. We stop them from getting the scrolls. Uh, Kairos is the paragon of humility, and he is fighting Lysonia away from the disciples so that he can protect them. He did that thing where he's like, okay, you fight me over here. Everybody else go that way, and you can stay away and not get hurt. So Clea stays with Voitha, the hand of humility, while we go out questing. Uh, we save a bunch of aspirants from succumbing to pride and then being discarded by Forsworn. Because uh, I guess pride is like, just like doubt is the opposite of loyalty, pride is the opposite of humility. And so we're, we're fighting some pride here. And I had an interesting, and it was around this, this quest here that I, I put up an interesting little Twitter thread that I thought of, is that we faced these little uh, aspects of, of doubt and pride and fear, and those were all Shah. And I don't think there's any direct correlation between Yasharge and the, I, I, let's say the Forsworn, but I mean, the Forsworn didn't exist when Yasharge was around, but any, any connection between them and the Kyrian, although it is interesting to note that the Void did invade Bastion and Yasharge being an old god is connected to the Void. And I wonder if there's not some sort of, the Void, or at least you charge you, you was was empowered by some sort of like 
emotion sucking magic that could pull out pride and fear and doubt and anger and hatred. And that knowledge, that magic that ultimately went to Yasharge was obtained by the void when they invaded Bastion back uh, at Agathia's repose, whenever that happened. Um, I don't know. It just seems that there's some interesting parallels and it could just be, it's all just, they're all just playing on similar emotions. Um, because yeah, but then I was trying to think of like, if there's more of a connection, but there's only five paragons, whereas there's seven heads of your charge. So it doesn't quite line up completely. And we got into a discussion trying to figure out how everything matches. Um, but, uh, it's, it, it, it is interesting. At least three of them seem to, to line up. So, I mean, cause you also have a temple of purity, a paragon of purity that does, that, I mean, that's just corruption in general would be the opposite, which is like the void overall. So it doesn't, it, there's no one-to-one, uh, similarity, but it's still, it's still interesting comparisons to look at. So, uh, so as I said, so, uh, we, we, uh, yeah, so we have to save the aspirants from succumbing to pride and then being discarded by the force one. Cause what the force one was doing, they get the aspirants to give up, uh, you know, like give in to pride and then they just knock them off. They were, they were, they were defeated at that point. And it's not like they were actually bothering to convert them. They were just getting rid of them. So, uh, Clea, uh, stays with Voitha while we're doing this. So we have to go find Kyrus's sword called compassion. Which again, I want to know where these swords come from, because it's it's a, this sword compassion. It's a lot like Remoria, where it's kind of floating on its own and, and doing all this crazy stuff. And like, what what's the origin of these like floating intelligent swords? I want to know more about that. I hope we get that in nine point one. I want an entire expansion where we go to like the sword realm, where it's just living swords that we talk to. But anyway, so we we find a sword compassion. It's been discharged, so we need to go killing Forsworn to charge it up. Um. The scrolls that we've been collecting uh, suggest the Forsworn are looking to perform one of Bastion's strongest rituals. And so they're rerouting anima collectors to spew maw energy. So we got to go stop that. And then, uh, yeah, compassion floats behind us like Remoria. We use it to fight the Forsworn. And then as we're about to fight Lysonia and we're, we're, we're kind of cleaning up the mess here, Helia shows up, or I guess image of Helia shows up and she calls Lysonia and Uther away. And she says, leave your plaything, my pet. There is work to be done. And then they flee through a maw portal. So they go right into the maw. And as Uther's going into the maw, he says, I see only darkness. Like a nice, nice callback there as he's going in. And so Uther, I think, is starting to be affected by what's going on. And now we, you know, now it's like, okay, now we got to go into the maw after them. We got to go take care of business. So Clea is is like, I'm taking, if we're going into the maw, I'm taking compassion with me. Because that 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 sword is badass, and so we head back to Oribos, and we tell Clea to jump into the maw, and she's like, "We just jump in, in into the well of souls, being carried to their eternal damnation, with little hope of freedom and redemption." And it's like, "Yeah, we do that weekly, just so we can get some lost souls for uh for our covenant." So so we jump into the maw, we go outside Perdition Hold. Venari warns us that our exposed anima is attracting enemies inside Perdition Hold. We start freeing the captive Forsworn because once the Forsworn realized they were working for the jailer in the Maw, they started to get reticent about this. And they were then, you know, the Maw Swarm just like, yeah, if you're not on board, we're just going to start locking you up. So we free the captain Forsworn because they are still Kyrian after all. We have to kill a bunch of Maw Swarm, which is good. And then ultimately we, we catch up with Uther and Uther's like, my soul bears the mark of this place. And Lysonia, I guess because Uther became one of those reticent Forsworn, Lysonia is trying to siphon Uther's power at Helia's instruction. So Lysonia siphons enough power. She becomes a full Mossworn now. So she loses any appearance of being like Kyrian. She gets like that skull helmet face and the, 
the the full like purpley wings and everything. So she goes full full mossworn on us. We're managed to we managed to recover Uther, who feels betrayed and confused, understandably. And Clea flies us back to the Waystone. Uther is grateful. Uther says, "I believe we are cl- quite alike, Clea." And it, it seemed a bit like Uther was maybe getting a little getting a little friendly with Clea there. I don't know. Um, but Clea lets Uther go on his own way. And uh, now we go back with the Temple of Humility restored. It's time we use that to empower the Crest of Ascension. So, chapter nine, it's time to go clean up the Temple of Loyalty. So, we summon all the paragons. There's that big bell. Um, again, if you've ever been to Elysium Hold, there's like that little area when you first come in where the crest is. And then there's like two sets of steps that lead up. Uh, and that's where Adrestes stands. And that's where the bell is. You ring, and also the flight master. So, you ring the bell there. And then above that, there's like another flight of stairs and that's where the Paragons and the Archon are. And so we ring the bell and all the Paragons show up and we get to, we set, we, we decide we're going to set a staging ground at the court of elation. Uh, the quest is called before the dawn. And I thought that was interesting because it's always darkest before the dawn. And Uther said, I see only darkness. So it seems like there's a. Like, it seems like things are getting worse, but like going into the mall and freeing Uther, like now things are kind of on an upswing. Like, yes, we still have to finish up dealing with everything, but we're getting there. So we gather the watchers at the Temple of Purity. Uh, there's Aridia, who is Lasonia's soulbind. She's falling to madness. Uh, that uh, we, So we have to restore some Vespers to stabilize her. Because it makes sense, because when you're, she bound her soul, and Lasonia is now full Mossworn. So she's getting some of that Maw influence on her, and we need to kind of like heal her as best we can because they're still soul bound. So she says, I'm in your debt. I was nearly lost. Uh, we get the bearers from the temple of courage. We get the centurions from the eternal forge. Uh, Pelagos goes together, the collectors from the Ionan Ar- archives. Uh, but on his way there, he gets overcome by doubt about the pending battle. And so we have to go and fight Pelagos's doubt. Uh, and w- together we managed to beat it. And this is the first time that he actually beat his doubt. Like that's because if you recall, when we meet Pelagos, He's down in that one uh, little chamber where he has to go in and kind of face his, you know, like face his, uh, uh, not not his sins, but like face like his 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 negative energy, and he he wasn't able to do that, and so we had to kind of go free him and get him out of there. And this is the first time he's successful doing that, so he's super excited. He's like, "Yeah, we're gonna do this now." And like I said, like Pelagos, he just like he just he brings the emotion to this. Like he he is like he is your your Kyrian that, that you want. So we go get the collectors with him. We get a bunch of buffs from all the forces. It's time to go for Lasonia now. We kill uh, Adonai and Phaedra, who are her champions. Uh, Lasonia barrages the area. Visephany heals us. Lasonia's Colossus Truthbringer needs to recharge. So we move in. Lasonia orders Athenos, which is, uh, if you remember when you first get to Bastion, there's a quest that you get. It's a typically it's up as a world quest. So you can still do this where you have to go challenge a bunch of aspirants and then you beat up the aspirants. And then there's like three Praetors that you have to fight each one, a, a harder difficulty and you beat them. And then you go and there's a little ring, you go into the main ring and there's a big Colossus there. And it's got like, everything else has like an actual level on it. Like you see like, Oh, it's like one level above me or whatnot. Um, the, the, the Colossus has just the skull that symbolizes like a raid boss. And so you go and you try to fight this thing and it just immediately destroys you. And it's like, that's, that's to keep you humble. That is Athenos. And so he has been corrupted now. He is working for the Forsworn. And so 
Lysonia orders Athanos to give some of his anima to Truthbringer to get that Colossus back online. So Athanos gives up some of his anima and then he starts attacking us. And now uh, we, we get to, to fight him. And it's, this is a fun little part too, because we don't just fight him alone. We've got Pelagos with us. We've got Cleo with us. And so it's like our little soul bound threesome together. We're able to work together and take out Athenos. And there's a, there's a part there where, where Pelagos is like celebrating and it's like, yeah, like, like you could see like the, the relationship and the bond that you've all formed. Like you feel like a little team, you feel like a little group that's been working through the Kyrian campaign together. And I really enjoyed that. And so, so at this point, the paragons, you're working towards the temple along the way, you get into a little bit of trouble. And one of the paragons shows up and basically like they clear the way for you. Uh, you know, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice little way of like, again, working as a team where the paragons all like kind of like, you know, establish their role to clear the way for you and your group to make it up to the temple. Uh, you get up to the temple, uh, Lysonia meets up. So she, just as you're about to fight Lysonia, she looks around and she's like, you guys are stupid. You sent all your forces here. Who's guarding the Archon? And then she and her forces fly off back to Elysian hold. And you're like, ah, oh. so of course we're now behind. So we got to go chase her. And this, now here's something interesting is that Kyrus, he says that if the Archon falls, Bastion would be Lysonia's, which it kind of contradicts the earlier theory that if, if the Archon falls, then Bastion would be destroyed. But maybe obviously like if Bastion is Lysonia's, like Bastion as it exists now would be destroyed. It would be like completely forsworn. So maybe that's kind of what they meant that Bastion would, would like dissipate or, or be like a, be obliterated or something. So anyway, so, so we have to go and make sure that we, we, uh, we stop uh, Lysonia from attacking the Archon. Um, then, uh, Lysonia mentions that you are all nothing before the Maw, which again, it's interesting because that's, that almost feels like the conclusion to Sylvanas' statement. She's like, you are all nothing. And it's like, oh no, it's like you are all nothing before the Maw. Like the Maw is that powerful. And that was, of course, the hidden power that like Sylvanas had that she used to kill Sorfang. So that's an interesting little callback there. Uther shows up as we're fighting Lysonia. So he joins us. And together we use our combined powers. We defeat Lysonia. The Archon says to Lysonia, Your service is complete. Uther then asks for the Archon's mercy. You know, I did not understand. He didn't know what he was doing. The Archon, of course, grants that mercy. And says that Uther is to remain under guard until the Archon decides his fate. And uh, so we escort Uther. And I'm not sure if this, because like Uther's, he's not in chains, but we're just walking with him around Elysian Hold. Also, he's still wearing his Forsworn armor. He's not wearing the little like tunic where his little chest wound can like just happen to, you know, like, like a, like a, uh, What's the, what's the term? I can't think of the term. Or it's like his little, his little like collar, his tunic collar just blows open. So you can see his wound. He's not wearing that. So maybe this isn't quite when the, uh, when the Anduin cinematic happens, but we, we walk with Uther. Um, and, uh, Thenios says he's going to take Uther under his charge. And then Uther says, my training as an aspirant was difficult. I remembered nothing of my life. Every time I close my eyes, I see my death. I see him standing before me that cursed blade in hand. Devos convinced me that my death was wrong. She promised me justice. What we did to him was not justice. It was vengeance. Lysonia was no different. I did not know that they wielded the same darkness. Thank you for showing me mercy. I will not forsake it. And so there's a few interesting things in there. One, uh, he talks about the cursed blade 
of Arthas. And as I said, I'm standing right there holding the blades of the fallen prince. Like, dude, come on. It's right here. You don't, you don't have to be talking smack about it, but also you finally get the full admission from him. Because again, if you look at the afterlives where it ends with, you know, not vengeance justice. And he's like, nah, that, that was, that was vengeance. We, we shouldn't have done that. And so he had, understands what he did was wrong. And he's been taken uh, with Theneos to kind of, you know, pay for his sins. Uh, so at this point now we're able to soul bind with Mykonikos. He's the final soul bind. Uh, and he says, though my kind do not normally have the honor of soul binding. I am no normal steward. It's not clear what that means exactly. Uh, but as I mentioned, he's the forge light prime. So he, he's never been normal as far as we can tell. And then uh, at the very end, we get to empower the crest of ascension with the temple of loyalty. And it gets these wings on the side that the, it didn't have before. So it went from looking like this real plain mound to like, it, it's now it's a mound, but it's got wings and little balls with a heart and a, a crest and a, a vessel all around it. Um, and yeah, there's a little, little ceremony there. And that's the end of the uh, Kyrian campaign. And I have to say that, like I said, like Pelagos, like establishing himself as the heart, really made me enjoy, enjoy this campaign. Like this started off. And like I said, like I thought Cleo was stupid. I thought the Kyrian were stupid. I was doing this just so I could come on here and like slag it. And then by the end of it, you're like, okay, you know what? Like the way everybody worked together, the way you got to see the, the, the covenant, like in, in motion, in battle, fighting alongside them. Like, I felt like I earned my, my, my place as a, uh, uh, what's the, t- it's like hand of the archon or something. I think is the title that you get. Uh, if you uh, get to rank uh, rank 40 with your uh, renown. So as I said, I'm 31, so I'm getting there. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this. I think I may have liked this one more than the Necrolord campaign. Um, that said, I still like the Necrolord Covenant better overall. But the this I, I, I thought this story was very well told. And yeah, I really enjoyed this. So that wraps up our look at the Four Covenant campaign. What we're going to talk about next week, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if Katie will be back then. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, uh, we'll, we'll, we got, we got stuff in store. We got stuff in store. So I hope you guys enjoyed this little series here. And, uh, at this point, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. So thank you to Jarrett for producing and thank you to Kurabara for editing. Thank you everybody hanging out in the chat room. We had ultra Mecha Jeff, Spaz Weston, Ali Andrus, B Ben Dyer, and I hope I'm not forgetting anyone else. Uh, but thank you all for hanging out there. You guys had some great conversation going on. I sorry I couldn't participate because I was too busy running the show. Uh, thank you also to the Half Hill Report for letting us play that clip earlier. Please go check them out. Uh, Tosh Mafuni and Professor Talib have a great show on their hands. Uh, but I hope I hope you know that if you listen because their show is really special. And also thank you everybody at home for downloading and listening. Without you guys, we couldn't do what we do. So thank you very much as well. We are at Torn Goblin on Twitter. Also at the MASH Network. Find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MASH Those Buttons. Also on YouTube at YouTube.com slash MASH Those Buttons. Katie can be found at Hyrule Master 77 on Twitter and also on the Three Goblins in a Trench Coat podcast. Uh, so go check that out. Also, you can find Katie and myself on Scrubs versus the World this week, as mentioned. So go check that out as well. Those guys are pretty cool. Shout out once again to Cyrub and to Projali. You can also find me 
on the Mash Those Buttons Network here on WoW Talk, where I talk about Warcraft news and guild management, and also on the Mash Those Buttons show, where Jarrett and I talk about gaming news, and I am, of course, at WookieBH on Twitter. Join the Mash Those Buttons community at Discord at discord.me slash mashthosebuttons and email us any thoughts or questions. Let us know what topics you want to hear about in the future at torngoblin at mash.gg. If you enjoyed this episode and like to help us out, please share it and rate it if you can, and visit mtb.gg slash support. See all the ways you can support Mash Those Buttons and all our great podcasts, including on Patreon, where for as little as $1 a month, you can gain early access to content as well as to patron-exclusive content, such as my weekly WoW Thoughts, where I talk about what I'm thinking about with respect to World of Warcraft for about 10 minutes each week. Also, for those in the chat room, please consider a Twitch subscription if you can, and you can also check out our Humble Bundle affiliate link, as well as our PayPal one-time donation link over at mtb.gg support. And stay tuned to hear about our other shows on the Mash Those Buttons Network. Our next episode is scheduled to record live at twitch.tv slash mashthosebuttons on April 28th, 2021 at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, but check Twitter for any updates. For Katie, I'm Nick. Ancestors watch over you, and time is not a construct of death, friends. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out mashthosebuttons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash mashthosebuttons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at twitter.com slash the Mash Network, facebook.com slash mash those buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 